Welcome in. This is the fan check down on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. There is, I get no greater joy than looking across the table at Donovan, who now has two sets of headphones on, trying to figure out which one works best. There is nothing better than this. It is. I need to take, I'm going to take a picture of this so people can see how ridiculous this looks. It is roulette over here as I do multiple (laughs) choice to see if I can get headphones to work. Okay, I'm going to tweet it out so everybody can see. At MattyMar89. At Donovan with on Donovan Bennett with two N's. Two N's, two T's. Correct. Twice two N's, two T's. Correct. Um, Look at you. Attention to detail. Somebody's got to do it. Well, the Broncos didn't. Oh, boy, did they not. Oh, like, we're going we're, we're gonna to start there. We're going to get to so much. We got the Arizona win. Uh, Donovan's going to. He might shed a tear. Uh, we'll go over the Chargers win over the Vikings. What a disaster. Buffalo lays a beating um, and then much more. But obviously, we have to start with the 70 burger that the Miami Dolphins put up. And it was historic. It was a day where it felt like it was never going to end. Like, it really felt like they were going to put up like 100 yesterday. That was a That was a video game. That was when you're playing your younger sibling and you have you have beaten them to mercy in Madden and they throw the controller and they're crying because they're so mad at you and you just laugh it off. That's what it felt like. It felt like no matter what happened across the NFL, we still have two games tonight, two pretty good matchups. We'll preview those later for you. That nothing could trump that conversation, the storyline, the memes, the post-game sound. Keenan Allen, poor guy. Had a monster day. And, unless you played him it. in fantasy or have him in fantasy, you have no idea that he went for 200 and threw a TD because that was a C-block story. Taylor Swift oh, can, was it was in the suite. Honestly. She's chest I'm, bumping. She's banging on the glass. She's I'm swearing. So, I'm so done with that already. I mean, like, how I'm, can I'm you be done? It. it just started. I'm over it already. You got bad blood? Oh, no, don't do that. I'm not a Swifty. My point is, well, there's, I believe on Instagram, 250 million people who are Swifties. I think it's actually 270. I'll have research, look it up. My point is, I'll find so it. many ridiculous things happened in an NFL Sunday that followed a Sunday that was kind of weak. Like week two wasn't the best. And yet all we could think of was what was going on in De- in Miami with the Dolphins and the Broncos. I know we like to clown Russ and make fun of that offense and that trade and that acquisition. The offense wasn't the problem. This is a defense that we thought was supposed to be good. But it doesn't matter. The offense could have scored 50 points and they would have lost by three scores. <laughs> the Dolphins had scores that in two-hand touch would have still counted. Yeah. Multiple. I would say I've never seen that, but I have seen that. It was in U Sports when people played York or UFT. Oh, he's just throwing the knives. Well, played is past tense. Yes, right? no, in, I, in I, my I era. But I've never seen that. That was a Division One Power Five versus an FBS score. It's Alabama versus Mercer. That's what that is. It's Bishop Sycamore versus IMG <laughs> is what it was. The difference is, in the case of the NCAA, those schools, they get some money to get 
beat down. Or in the case of Russell Wilson got a Sycamore, lot of money yesterday to get beaten down. So did Sean Payton, actually. I think they got money to not get <laughs> beaten down. I think that's the problem. So do you remember when Sean Payton called Nathaniel Hackett like a disaster and all of that? Oh, Mike McDaniels remembers. Yeah, he certainly does. Um, last year's Broncos net points were minus 73. Not good. Not good. Um, the Broncos already this season through three games, minus 53. So they still have time. They've got lots of time. Bring it's a number down a bit. There was also conversations about just a shade over a year ago um, where Sean Payton said that Teddy Bridgewater, there was going to be a controversy in Miami that Teddy Bridgewater should start over Tua. Um, that didn't age very well, Sean. All the receipts are coming out. Did it Did it not feel like Mike McDaniel had something against Sean Payton? Did it not feel like that? Oh, not only did it feel like that, that's a fact. And I'm not just going to say Mike McDaniel, but I'm also going to say Tua. Look at, and we talked about it briefly last week, but look at this matchup. As Coach Prime would say, it's personal. You have, on one side, you have Sean Payton who we know the Dolphins wanted to be their head coach. They also wanted to pair him with Tom Brady, so much so that they got hit with a tampering charge because of it. That obviously didn't happen. Sean Payton went to Fox. Tom Brady went and took a sabbatical, and he's supposed to have us believe that he'll end up at Fox at some point. But sometimes the plans that don't work out are the best thing. What didn't end up working out was they didn't get pain. They go, they get Mike McDaniel and they stick with Tua. And and obviously that's worked out. The Broncos, on the other hand, not only did they back up the Brinks truck for Russ, not only did they back up the Brinks truck for Sean Payton, but when they were going through their hiring search, you know who they didn't interview? Who they were not interested in? Mike McDaniel. The former ball boy? Former ball boy who got his start with Denver. So, for sure, that was personal. And I think the ultimate flex, the best play, if you ask that Dolphins offensive group, was them not kicking the field goal to get 73. As much as they would want to go Oregon versus Colorado and just run it up for no reason to send a message, which I thought was a little bizarre. Oh, I'm not shocked that it happened at all. I'm not shocked that it happened, but you are going to accuse Coach Prime and Dion for doing things for clicks and for hype. Oregon was wearing their seventh uniform combination this year, and they haven't played seven games. They're the Mighty Ducks. They, they leave the locker room with multiple uniforms in a game. They had a shoe on that changes color based off of your body temperature. Like, I like let's, it. Let's not, I, I love it too, but let's not act like you know we don't have names on the back of our jerseys. We're just old school football, and they're doing all things for hype. And getting off topic, it was a tough week for... Colorado football fans, both it university and pro. I think it was a bigger flex. You know what? I I I, I don't I pity. I don't hate fool. you. I pity you. <laughs> I, I I don't loathe you. I, I have some empathy for you, and I'm 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 just gonna not kick this field goal to get the record, and then I get to have the higher ground and answer the questions about yeah, you know what? We don't do things like that around here. Well, they scored seventy points. Like I mean, they had like. What, what, what is Did he, you want them to punt on third down? No, I'm not saying that. But, like, they still had Mostert in there later in the game. They could have sat Raheem Mostert in the fourth quarter. 
They could have given Chris Brooks more well, of a run oh, in the fourth quarter. I'm sorry, because their backup A chain only had four TDs. Well, he's not, he's. I don't even think he's a backup. He's just he's he's better than a backup, and he already had like. 200 yards at that point or 180 yards. They scored a TD every six minutes. I know, but my point is, is like to say, oh, we, you know, we, that's not how we do things around here. They could have sat guys. They could have been playing third stringers a lot earlier than they were. But even yesterday. when they were playing third stringers, they still were I know, scoring. I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying like, yes, it's not, I don't buy everything that Mike McDaniel sells. How about that? Well, here's the question for you. Who is the story about? Is it about the Dolphins and that offense and Tua and their pre-snap motion and what they look like? Or is it Denver, a team that after three games looks like they quit on their coach in his first year? Well, that was, yeah, that was certainly not a good look. I think the performance by Miami far outweighs what we saw from the Broncos yesterday. Part and parcel because of who they're playing this coming week. And that's the Buffalo Bills. Like, that is... Now a matchup again with one of the elite defenses in the NFL against not even arguably the most elite offense in the NFL. Move over Kansas City Chiefs. This ain't this ain't close. I know they put up you know a bucket full of points against the Bears, but the Bears aren't very good. The way that that offense is going right now, like look at the numbers yesterday. Uh, we got to get his name right. Adam Schefter put it out on Twitter. He wants to be called Devon. I think a Chan. That's what it says. That's what Shepard says. You keep getting says. to the end zone. I'll call you whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. So let's call him what he wants to be called. Devon Achan. 18 carries, 203 yards, two touchdowns, four catches, 30 yards, two touchdowns. Raheem Mostert, 13 carries, 82 yards, three touchdowns, seven catches, 60 yards, one touchdown, two at Tagovailoa. Only had to throw for 309 yards. Still had four touchdowns. Uh, Tyreek Hill, nine catches, 157 yards, and one touchdown. Oh, by the way, Jalen Waddle didn't play yesterday. Wow. And that's and that's where this is even more egregious is that your one B receiver was not even in the lineup and Denver still couldn't stop a thing that was happening. Like that was as bad as it got. The offense wasn't great, but they still put up, well, they put up 13 points. Marvin Mims returned a kick for a touchdown. But still, the Dolphins, the first team since 1966 to put up 70 points in a game. That was incredible. From the Dolphins. Here's my, here's where it becomes interesting. What happens when the irresistible force meets the immovable object? Because the Bills defense has been elite. They were incredible against Washington. And I can make the argument for both the Bills and the Dolphins that they haven't played anybody yet. The Bills have played the Jets minus Aaron Rodgers. And they lost that game because they were horrible. They played the Raiders. And we saw what the Raiders did last night which was so good. And then they played Washington, who was 2-0 coming in, but they hadn't played anybody. Miami's played the Chargers, who their defense can't stop a nosebleed, better than any of the teams the Bills have played. But also, um, they played the Broncos yesterday, who we now know suck. And they played the New England Patriots, who gave them a good fight, didn't only allowed seven points in the second half, but they're not an offensive juggernaut that can compete with Miami. This is going to be a really interesting matchup between these two teams. It is certainly. And no matter how good your defense is, you can't get any faster in seven days. And that's the biggest equation is I don't know if we've seen. We haven't. An offense with this amount of speed. Greatest show on turf was great. Those are great players, great playmakers. 
They weren't this fast. So we've done the show for 12 minutes. The Dolphins have scored two touchdowns since we've done this show. Actually. Like, that's how quickly they've scored. The f- six fastest. Yeah, that's I was waiting for that one. Do you wanna, do you no, do? no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It's an incredible stat. Six fastest top-end speeds recorded this year are all Miami Dolphins. Between Tyreek Hill in week three, 22.07 miles per hour. A Chan, number two, Tyreek Hill in week one, number three. Raheem Mostert, week two, number four. Tyreek Hill again, number five. A Chan again, number six, at 21.5 miles per hour. Waddle, you need to get your speed up, doggy. Yeah, you got You're getting left behind in that group. Yeah, you got to figure it out. Here's the thing. And so my big picture takeaway, if I had to distill that game on both sides, would be this. Innovation and speed. The Miami Dolphins are running a CFL offense in the NFL. What they're doing with satellite motion with Tyreek Hill, a lot of people use pre-snap motion to help dictate coverage. Someone goes in motion, someone goes with them, it's man. If they don't, it's zone. It gives you a little bit of an early tell. We're, we're opening up the, the, the playbook a little bit, and you're taking a test, and it's an open book test as a QB. What they're doing with pre-snap motion is, oh, no, Tyreek Hill isn't just moving to see what you do. He's moving because they're going to use it. it well, he's getting to top speed. Mm-hmm. So then when the, the ball snaps, he's now running at top speed and your defenders are not, or they are. And you start to backpedal before the ball's even snapped. And now the play is starting before the play has been snapped. And that's why two is able to get the ball out of his hand so quick because he's able to read defense and see how DBs react before he's actually even snapped the ball. And the pass rush has come to him, which has allowed them to keep him clean Hasn't had to wash his uniform all year. He's only been sacked once, getting the ball out of his hands. The fastest in the NFL, but also has the furthest depth of target in the NFL. Those two things don't normally go together. They are with this offense. I say all that to say Mike McDaniel is an offensive savant. He's taken the trends and, and the rules, and he's like, well, let me bend them towards the talent that I have, which is what many new age coaches have done. Sean Payton, on the other end, and he used to be the offensive savant. And he came up in the Bill Parcells, you know, coaching tree. But when I watch him and when I watch Bill Belichick, great coaches. But I'm like, sometimes you can get drunk off success. And when you do something really well for a long time, you believe that's the only way to do things. And you continue to do them that way because you have the proof of the success. We are in an entirely different NFL than the one that had Drew Brees holding the Super Bowl as a champion. And if Sean Payton doesn't stop trying to mold Russell Wilson into Drew Brees because they're both short and realize that he has to actually have a plan for today's NFL, then he's, that's what we call a dinosaur. He's going to be left behind. And so what I watched was someone radically taking this game into the future in Mike McDaniels and someone who's radically in the past because they had success in the past. And that's not just on coaching. How he deals with his team his public comments about Russell Wilson having to stop kissing babies. Like, yeah, that's true. But why do, why do you need to tell me that? Yeah. You need to tell Russ that. Tell Russ that. Yeah. Him using uh, reporters to essentially make fun of the last coach. Yeah. I think that worked when it was Bill Parcells. I don't think it works now. The athletes are different. The media is different. And so that struck me when I watched the game. I, I looked like I was watching two different eras of football club. Yeah. There's a great picture of like six Broncos down on the field. And it's like, this is the perfect example of what happened yesterday. They were just trying to run all over the field. 
Uh, and no better indication than on the first touchdown of the game, Tyree Kill was wide open. Like there was nobody on that side of the field. How that happened? How you let Tyree Kill go unmarked? I have no idea. Um, let's do. Uh, let's move on to Arizona yesterday. And I know this is a tough one for you, but um, Arizona wins twenty eight sixteen. And the thing that was most impressive for me, first of all, when I looked at that, the line was 13 going into the game. And I said, that's way too many points for a road team who, frankly, has not been like super electric on offense coming into, you know, the first two, uh, coming into the third game after watching them the first two games. The defense had been great. But yesterday, even the defense, they kind of bent and didn't break, but they still allowed 28 points to a team that nobody expects anything from. Arizona had eight drives all game. Do you know how many they scored on of those eight drives? Five, six. Six. Six of eight drives the Arizona Cardinals scored points on against what we have been told and what we had seen through the first two weeks as probably the best defense in the league. I don't know that we can say that at this particular moment. Like, did Trevon Diggs being out make that much of a difference in that game? It shouldn't with the guys that you have and the talent that you have on defense, but it did. And Dallas, they were able to move the ball a little bit. They had the, they They're had moving a lot. Yeah. They, they had the, the, um, they couldn't convert on fourth down on one drive. And then the, the, the interception that Dak threw in the end zone was just, I don't know what he was looking at, but when you see it from the camera behind Dak Prescott, I only see an Arizona defender. And so, I actually had a, a buddy of mine that texted me. He's a Cowboys fan. And I just said, like, how are you feeling after that game? He says, I hate Dak. He says, I always have. Like, for me, I look at Dak, and and he's one of the most polarizing players in the NFL because people that are outside of the Cowboys bubble seem to like the talent and the skill set, whereas Cowboys fans who may watch him a lot closer, and maybe this can be said about a lot of guys, but this is what I feel about Dak, is that they just don't like Dak Prescott. Where do you fall on in that realm? Because I look at it and I say, I like the talent. I like the skill set. I don't love the guy calling the plays. And I look at the offense and say, everybody wants to be all, you know, nice with Mike McCarthy about how the team is done. He's the one calling the offensive plays. And frankly, the offense hasn't looked as good as I think it could. Dak's red zone interception was a backbreaker. You can't throw it. It's also his first interception of the year. So naturally, when you lead the league in interceptions a year ago and you didn't play all the games, then every time you have an interception, you're going to be scrutinized. But he still threw for almost 250, still led the team to the red zone five times. The problem was they only scored once when in the red zone. And one of the reasons that is the case is because of the head coach, Mike McCarthy, who decided with the game in the balance early in the game that he was going to push the envelope and go for a touchdown and not take the points when there's still a lot of time left. We could talk about the opposite decision being made. <laughs> that was something. In, in, in Josh McDaniels and, or, you know, Staley making an odd decision of going for it, you know, underneath his own goalpost with lots of time left, only for the, the Vikings to Viking, more so than the Chargers Chargers. But... Mike McCarthy made a big deal of the fact that, you know what? I don't need an offense that 
leads the league in yards. That's the, that's not the goal. I don't need an offense that scores a lot of points. That's not the goal. The goal is to win games. And everyone was like, sure, but isn't the goal... Don't you have to score more to points? Score more points? And I, I get what he was trying to say is that, you know, sometimes winning means playing complementary football mm-hmm. and understanding your strength. And the strength of that team is the defense. And so we're going to rely on our defense. We're not going to put them in bad spots. We're not going to take... You know, chances that we don't have to, and you know, we're gonna have a formula that allows us to win games ugly, but ultimately it doesn't matter because we win. That sounds good when your defense is rolling, when your defense is turning the ball over, giving you a short field, when they're taking it and scoring themselves, but when they're not, when they gave up more rushing yards in the first half than they did all year, when they gave up more points in the first quarter than they did all year, then what? And I think that's a problem is that he had this ball control mentality in a game where you needed to open it up. If you could phone a friend and call Kellen Moore, that's the game that you need him. When you need to put playmakers in position to manufacture points, when you need to have scheme and design in the red zone, when you're playing essentially in a phone booth to get guys open, when you need to be a little bit more elaborate, and they weren't, and that's why they stubbed their toe and they were one for five in the red zone and thus lost the game. Between the 20s, they were the better football team. They, they, but that doesn't matter, ultimately, because they couldn't manufacture enough offense and enough points. And so, essentially, saying, well, Kellen Moore, he scored too much, and he he, he played too fast. Like, <laughs> what a well, concept. Well, well, now you don't have Trayvon Diggs. And, and now your second-best defensive player is done for the year. So that defense that people were looking to make a nickname for because they might be historic, looking a little average. And so we shall see, you know, how much we're in love with the complimentary football, when the compliment, the defense isn't as good as it was to start the year. We talked about this last week um, as it pertained to the Cowboys. I think it was midweek. And the the question I asked you was, is there a concern about the offense because they've been up and they haven't had to be good? Well, they were chasing the game yesterday and it didn't, it wasn't as pretty as it probably should have been. Uh, there was a bright spot, Tony Pollard, Ended up having a really good day on the ground. Yeah. And Michael Gallup led the team in receiving a receiver not named CeeDee Lamb. So there were positives, but is it enough? Well, I mean, and also, they were also without their three best offensive linemen. Yeah, that also doesn't help. Two to start the game, and then Tyron Smith goes down during the game. But when was the last time you got a full season out of Tyron Smith? When he was at USC? Yeah, I was going to say never. So the likelihood of that getting better as he ages is not there. So... This will be an ongoing issue. You don't expect to miss your all-pro center and all-pro guard uh, as well, and that does certainly make things more difficult, but I suspect a bounce-back game against the New England Patriots, who, by the way, sometimes when you win, you lose. Patriots fans, Chargers fans, yeah, you won. You escaped the conversation of the 0-3 teams and the stats that are tied to that in terms of making the playoffs. But it wasn't a great referendum on where your football club is. No, it was not. Uh, Cowboys' next five opponents, you mentioned the Patriots there, uh, the Niners, the Chargers, the Rams, and the Eagles. Wow. It's not easy sledding. Uh, Let's get to the Chargers. You mentioned them. They pull it off 28-24. It felt like they were kind of fortunate. Like the, the Vikings fans actually ended up screwing over the Vikings yesterday. It was so loud that Kirk Cousins couldn't get the play into his helmet, which was such a bizarre sequence. You'd almost think that they had three timeouts the way that they were operating in the last 30 seconds of the game. 
Took them forever to get the playoff. And then they end up throwing the interception on that play where they had trouble getting it in. It was taking forever. And then the game ends up finishing up. So Kirk Cousins has the interception there. Uh, He and Justin Herbert both threw for over 300 yards. Um, Does this settle the fan base in L.A. down at least a little bit? Uh, They get the Raiders, Cowboys, Chiefs, Bears, Jets, and Lions in their next six. Like, are they looking at it and going, okay, we can beat the Raiders. We got a shot against the Cowboys. Um, Maybe not against the Chiefs, but they usually play them tough. The Bears stink. The Jets stink. And the Lions are what the Lions are. They're, They're a good football team. Do you think that this win made them feel at least slightly better? Or do they just look at it and say, well, the Vikings aren't very good either, and we'd only beat them by four points? Granted, it was a road victory, but there were still some things in it. Mike Williams is out for the year, it looks like, with a torn ACL. Um, Shout out Josh Palmer had a really good day yesterday in his absence. But do you look at it now, especially with this injury, and just go, oh, here we go again. No Austin Eckler yesterday. Maybe he gets back next week. How are they looking at this right now? Not good. Uh, and you mentioned Palmer. He might be someone you want to sprinkle some fab money as a pickup in fantasy as he has been good historically and sadly the many occurrences in his young career when Mike Williams has been down and he has been higher on the depth chart than their early round draft pick out of TCU, which is somewhat surprising. But the in school when, when we were in math, Getting the right answer is not the entire equation. You also have to show your work. How you got that. there. That, that was part of the marks. You have to show me that you understand the concept. They won the game. Brandon Staley did not prove to anybody that he understood the concept. No. Not at all. What's the concept? What are the questions that we have with Brandon Staley? If we were his manager and we were doing an employee review and we've got – key performance indicators and strategic objectives. And we say, okay, Brandon Staley, we've got you on a progress plan as a head coach. Some things we need to see out of you. You're a defensive guru. Matt Marchese has questioned how you got that nickname, but by and large, you came in here selling us that you are going to be a defensive guy and we're in the same division as Patrick Mahomes. We've got to play Andy Reid twice a year. We need that defense, specifically defense that you learned from Vic Fangio about putting a roof on the defense, having ceiling, no explosive plays. Matt, random question for you. Mm -hmm. Do you know what franchise leads the league in giving up explosive plays since Brandon Staley was hired by the Chargers? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it is the Los Angeles Chargers. It certainly is. Nice. How is that possible? The one thing that you are supposed to do, not only do you not do it, you do it the worst. So that's what, and and by the way, you also lead uh, the league in another thing. The amount of cap that you've dedicated to your defense. So you you, you have oh, by the, the players. way, one of those guys that you dedicated the cap to, J.C. Jackson, who signed that big deal, was a healthy inactive. Correct. Yesterday. Not great. So you got $8 million in a suite, and we're not talking about Taylor Swift. We're talking about J.C. Jackson. That's two Taylor Swift mentions on this show. And there'll, be, there'll be more. Oh. So I, that, to me, he was, remember he said at the press conference he wasn't panicking? That, to <laughs> me, said you're, you're, you're panicking because you are saying, hey, if I'm going to go down, if this ship's going to go down, I'm going to go down with the people that I trust. And I don't care what you made or where you're drafted. You're not dressing because I feel the heat. Okay. Brandon, we've worked through that. Other things we've struggled with in game management. You never had to do it. You're a coordinator for one year. You never had coach. So 
you start as an analytics guy, pretty bullish on it. If it works, we call it progressive and aggressive. For you, it has not worked. But the thing about analytics is the numbers are supposed to bear out over time. The larger the sample size, the better it looks. So you can't do it half of the time. you got to do it all of the time. If you believe in the shift in baseball, you got to always shift. You start as an analytics guy. Then you got heat. You reverted back to being like an old-school conservative football guy. And now you've reverted back to the analytics guy. Look, the, the, the ship has sailed and it left you. Now you're trying to get back on. Whatever you seem to do, you're chasing and it's never working. So it seems it's you. You're the issue. So that's a big problem. I'm not sure if we've ever seen someone fired after a win, but <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be mad at it. I'm not going to lie because you have no confidence that he's leading this team. The Vikings lost that game. The Chargers didn't win it. That that decision to go for it on fourth and one from inside their own 25-yard line, do you... I'm having I'm having trouble determining how I feel about it because is that you trust your defense if you don't get it or you don't trust your defense because you don't want the other team to get the ball back? Because I really struggle with which one that is and which one he's feeling. I would argue if you trust your defense, you give them a long field. Right. You're saying go, you, you go win the game. Yeah. You, you, and we're giving you a long margin of error to me, that says you don't trust your defense because you don't want to put them back on the field. Yeah. And that you're willing to risk not getting it on the basis of your offense, but you're just hoping to end the game because you don't want Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins come back on the field because Kirk has been captain comeback. It didn't work out this week. But in terms of trust, I think that is a great word because – Okay, fine. You've made that decision. I, I don't necessarily agree with the time and score in the ball placement, but sure. But then if we're making the des- decision, are we going to have the second highest paid player in football reverse pivot and hand the ball in the gut to a fullback that nobody knows? Or are we going to put the game on him? Like that, To me, that's... With Keenan Allen, the guy that caught everything that was thrown towards him yesterday, a quick little slant, hey... Sure. That's what I mean. Like, if, if you're going to be aggressive, be aggressive. Don't have a fullback dive into the teeth of the defense when they know, essentially, that there's two things. You're either going to try and draw us off sides or it's going to be some sort of short yardage play. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't good. Okay, so the Vikings, uh, we'll do this quickly. Their own three. It's the second time since 2020 that they've started on three. That year, they finished seven and nine. Uh, Panthers, Chiefs, Bears, 49ers, Packers, Falcons in the next six. It feels like this is going to get ugly because this defense has not been very good. How long do you think the leash is here for um, Kirk Cousins as a member of this squad? Like, do you think they are now fielding offers for Kirk Cousins? So just so you know, uh, the Dolphins have scored two more touchdowns. (laughs) I was trying to figure out why you were looking at this. Jets, Jets, Jets. Doesn't it make sense now? Has to. I I, I think it has everything to do with owning three and more to do with Zach Wilson, who looked Justin Fields plus, plus, plus lost against the New England Patriots. You have to. He's not... Here are the things we know. The Vikings probably are not going to make a run to the postseason starting 0-3. Even if they do, it'll be a short conversation, right? This is not a Super Bowl team. No. The proof is in the pudding. 
And they know that too, I'm pretty sure. You have to. You have, if we're being honest, you have to. We also know that Kirk Cousins is not going to be a Viking next year. If he was, he would be signed at this point. Well, then what are, we, what are we doing here? What, what are we doing? I mean, I, I understand that tanking is frowned upon, but there's tanking and there's being prudent. And you have an asset that is more valuable to somebody else than it is to you in the short term and in the long term. They can figure out what they want to do with Kirk Cousins afterwards. That's, that's a Jets problem. That's not your problem. And guess what? There are a couple. Everyone talks about Caitlin Williams. May's pretty good, too. Drake May's kind of good. So there are multiple options that solve your quarterback issue via the draft. And it gives you a, cheap, a quarterback on the cheap. Yes. So I, I, you have to. You have to. Yeah. I, who, say, who says no? Uh, neither team should say no at this point. Because the Jets still feel like they can win something because their defense is still good. And offensively, they're wasting away Garrett Wilson, who's also uh, playing on cheap money, by the way. And well, also getting frustrated. And also getting frustrated. Well, shout, out Mike, shout out Michael Carter yelling at the running backs coach yesterday. What did you call him? Soon to be former Jet Michael Carter? Yeah. Is it shout out Michael Carter or shut up Michael yeah, Carter? Yeah, that, that also true. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, actually, we're going to talk about that McDaniel, my, the Josh McDaniels decision last night when we come back. That was that was something. We've got a stat to go along with it, too. Uh, when we come back, uh, the fan check down, Matt Marchese, Donovan Benny, you're listening on the Sportsnet Radio Network. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome back. This is the Fan Checkdown. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And, and we watched last night. I mean, wasn't a super great game. But it had at least had some intrigue. Like, Devontae Adams was a lot of fun. Matt Canada is still a horrible offensive coordinator. Najee Harris still keeps getting run, and we still haven't figured out why. So that, that was all great. But the most interesting thing happened with under three minutes left in the game. And I was happy because it helped me get the, the alternate over on a parlay that I had. So I was very, very pleased with the result of the field goal. But it was a very bizarre decision even when they were lining up for the field goal the first time and then there was a, a, a false start or no sorry there was a was it offsides by the defense by the the defense anyway there was a penalty they go down they get the first down then they drive down the field again a little bit further and they decide to go for a field goal again the Raiders are the only team the only NFL team to attempt a field goal in the last three minutes of the fourth quarter went down by exactly eight points with less than five yards to go for a first down or a touchdown since the two-point conversion was adopted in 1994. I feel like there's been probably a lot of instances like that since 1994, but Josh McDaniels keeps blowing my mind on his decision-making. I all it took was Pittsburgh to get a first down coming back the other way. Like, unless you thought you could recover an onside kick, which almost never happens now. I just don't, I don't know what Josh McDaniels was thinking in the moment. He wasn't thinking. Well, there's I mean, that too. Unless, you know, he had money on the game and there was a key number that he was worried about in terms of what he got the line at. 
even if you say, okay, well, you know, we're going to get the ball back. We're going to, we're going to score. You got to do that anyways. Right? In any scenario, whether you go for it and potentially tie the game, right? You're down eight, score and get a two point. You need to score again to, to, to win the game, theoretically. If you don't get it and now you're still down eight, you got to get the ball back and score again. And if you are down five because you kick the field goal and, and make the field goal, you got to get the ball back and score again. So the premise is you need the ball back and you need to score. The only scenario where you wouldn't necessarily is if you tie the game and thus take it to overtime if you get a stop. Or let's say you, you score, but then you don't get the two-point and you know, you're now down two. You need to score again, but the difference is you just need a field goal, not another major. And so the fact that you needed still another score and another major based off the decision didn't make sense. In general, you try to do the hardest part first. And you, you, you try to, whatever that is, get the touchdown, get the extra point. Try to do that first and get it out of the way because it opens up the options of what can happen, you know, when the game is in the witching hour, as Scott Hansen would say. Yeah, and so, the and for me, the thing that kind of, when I'm watching it, which made the decision even more curious was, you were literally gifted on your previous drive a first down that resulted in a touchdown. The Minka Fitzpatrick roughing the passer hit on Jimmy Garoppolo was a horrible call. It was a clean hit. There was nothing wrong with it. It wasn't late. It wasn't helmet to helmet. All of that. In real time, I could see how you could make that mistake. But it was a bad call. Then they get the pass interference on the on the two-point convert on Jacoby Myers, and you were gifted another chance. So at that point, do you not look and go, we should probably go for this? Like, the odds are not in our favor to get the ball back. That's just the way football works. Just doesn't, it's not ideal. They ended up getting the football back, and then Jimmy Garoppolo just throws up, he heaves one up, and that's it. You had barely any time left on the clock, and it wasn't going to work for you anyway. I just don't see why that was the decision. For a guy that is has been noted as a an innovative offensive mind, do you not think you could have dialed something up for Devontae Adams in that moment to get like Devontae Adams caught basically everything that was thrown in his general direction yesterday. He was a monster. I, that decision was so bizarre to me. Throw him four fades in a row. 100%. He'll catch one of them. The other aspect of it is you know, we got these cards. Coaches look down on them and they say, oh, down X with X amount left. This is what you should do. This is what the numbers say. One, he didn't follow those cards in this moment. But two, the other thing that is missing, even if he had a flawed card, which told him to do what he did, is this game's played by humans. They're not just integers or variables or spreadsheet. They're actual humans with emotion and a little bit of the air goes out of the room, goes out of the sideline when you settle for three. And more importantly, your offense has not been good all game. Your offense has not been good all year. Your offense has not been good your entire tenure as a head coach of the Raiders. And if we want to be honest, the Broncos and your offense on that drive had been the best it's been playing all night. So you actually had some momentum. Now, to your point, part of it was you, you lucked into that momentum by being given multiple first downs. But the point is you have something going. Continue to ride that wave for as long as possible and take advantage of the momentum by trying to at least punch it in. Yeah, I just... When you have a player of Devontae Adams' ilk, I just don't know how you'd... you'd 
I, I don't know. Josh McDaniels is he's going to get fired at the end of the year anyway, well, so it doesn't really matter. I don't even know if it'll be the end of the year. There People make the late game decisions too difficult. What do the stats say? What do the math say? What's the cards say? Here's how you decide. You want to figure it out at home? You want to figure it out if you're a coach on the sidelines? You want to figure it out when you're playing Madden? What would the other side in this moment want me to do? And whatever that is is what you don't do. Yeah, they want you to kick the field goal. 100%. Of course they do. Uh, you know what? Let's do the Monday Nighters because we don't have a ton of time. So we're going to push some things to tomorrow, as we always do, because, um, well, we tend to talk a lot. Tonight, the first game, again, double double header Monday Nighter is my new favorite thing, as we know, as long as it is better than the two games that we saw last week. I feel like they might be. Uh, two undefeated teams in the first one. The Eagles, or the Bucks host the Eagles. Baker Mayfield has looked a lot better than anyone could have expected. Mike Adams, oh my God, Mike Evans has just been incredible looking for that shiny new contract. I look at this from the Eagles perspective as, you know, the passing game has really had a hard time getting going. Jalen Hurts has not topped 200 passing yards in a game in the first two games of the season, two touchdowns to one interception through the air. This also does not feel like a game that they're going to get that going. Like, I know people are saying, well, the Bucks, the defense has actually been pretty decent. Granted, they played the Vikings, which they played them very well, and they I, and four turnovers for Minnesota in that game. They played the Bears last week, who aren't very good, as we know. This is going to be a real test for both sides because you anticipate that there's going to be some pushback from the, the Bucks in their secondary. But also, I feel like there's a little bit of... I don't like they just went to the Super Bowl, but I think people are a little nervy about the Eagles passing offense through two games because against the Patriots, they did not look good in week one. And last week against the Vikings of all teams, they had to do it on the ground, which was great, but the passing offense wasn't good. I'm curious to see how the Eagles offense looks tonight with the extended break that they had after playing in the Thursday night or last week. Well, it's interesting that you bring up the passing game because for me, the questions for the Eagles are on the running game, not so much their ability, but who is going to step up. Because we haven't really seen in this scenario where they say, oh, we've got four number ones. We don't believe in a depth chart. Everyone's going to share the rock equally, which does not make any sense. We haven't seen Gainwell and Swift together at the same time play well. Together. They were both up week one, but everyone was really up in arms of the fact that Swift wasn't really utilized. One carry. It was, <laughs> it, it was really the Gainwell show. Gainwell gets hurt. Swift then goes off in week two. Now can we see them work together? Because I think sometimes when you have four backs, you have none. And you know, running back needs to get into a bit of a lather and get some flow going. So they, how, how they utilize those two guys in the run game it's interesting, and to me, they're an offense where the run game is tied to their pass game with the RPOs for sure with Jalen Hurts. And so I, I'm interested to see which backs, selfishly for fantasy purposes, but also for real-life purposes, which backs get utilized when and how. From the Bucks' perspective offensively, they've been a lot better than I think anybody could have expected, specifically, as I mentioned, Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans. This Eagles secondary can be had. I know that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are not, you know, Jordan, uh, J- Justin Jefferson. But I believe, especially, you know, Avante Maddox is out for the year, I believe. 
James Bradbury didn't play last week. Like they, they can be had right now. And that has been through the first two weeks. Mac Jones threw for over 300 yards. Kirk Cousins had a really big day against them as well. Can Baker Mayfield do the same thing? Like I see a five point spread here. I'm not for the Eagles. I'm not so certain that this game is not within a field goal only because of the way that we've seen Philadelphia, uh, the, the Bucks play. And also, you know, you mentioned Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Rashad White's getting a lot of work in that backfield too. And uh, especially last week, I thought he looked good. I'm really interested to see how the Bucks can put up points against the Eagles tonight. Well, you mentioned the Eagles can be had on the Eagles, both offense and defense, new coordinators. But I, I think that really impacts you more defensively because on that staff, a lot of the offense philosophy came Nick Cerrone as the head coach. But the secondary can be had, but that in some ways is by design because they come out off the bus saying, well, you, you can't complete a pass when you're on your back. We are going to be aggressive in the back end because we're only covering for two seconds, two and a half max, and then our pass rush is going to get home. If you can protect, which we saw the Patriots have some ability to, then you can hit them with chunk plays and big plays uh, in the passing game. The other aspect though, is Baker is great when he has time, when he's in the pocket. When he starts to freelance a little bit and try to play you know, off of structure, that's when he makes mistakes. And so if he can continue that consistency, getting the ball out of his hands relatively quickly from the depth of the pocket, then they might be able to get Evans some big ones over the top. What we have seen is that for the Eagles, uh, both fronts are very good. Their offensive line is excellent. Their defensive front is excellent. Uh, their linebackers also lead leave a lot to be desired. So I think Chris Godwin across the middle might have uh, a lot of success tonight. Uh, in the other Monday nighter, and we got a, a couple minutes for this, uh, Joe Burrow is a game-time decision for the Bengals. It does look like he's trending towards playing, according to Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Uh, will the, the question is, will the highest-paid player in the NFL be playing tonight? It feels like it's going to happen. But what does he look like? He hasn't looked good through the first two weeks. And I don't know if that's any fault of his own because, frankly, he's just battling an injury and they just keep throwing him out there. If we said to the Bengals staff, if you get Joe Burrow healthy to the end of the year, you get an extra million dollars. We just said that. And they looked at every decision differently. Are they, is he playing today? The answer is no. no. Obviously not. Well, guess what? If you get Joe Burrow healthy to the end of the year, you have a shot to win the Super Bowl and everything that comes with it. That's the lens they should be looking at this through. Yes, you don't want to start, you know, with another loss. You don't want to be one of those teams that's 0-3. But, you know, who can get you out of that? I think Joe Burrow could. A healthy Joe Burrow. When the number one receiver, who in many ways, his livelihood depends on his QB being upright. When he said in the preseason and now in the regular season, I don't think he should be playing. I don't really care at that point what the doctors have to say. I don't care what Joe Burrow has to say. He shouldn't be playing. Sometimes you have to save the player from themselves. And, of course, he wants to play. He just got a contract. He's the highest-paid man in football. He wants to prove his worth. But guess what? We have to think of the entire war, not this battle. And him on a Monday night, if there are compensation injuries that happen because his calf is not right, that, that's not just a lingering issue that you have to deal with. That could be catastrophic. So it's the NFL, so I'm, I'm not surprised that he might play, but it's not prudent. 
Uh, quickly, before we finish this thing off, a bigger surprise, the Rams playing better than competitive football or the fact that the Bengals are on too? Ooh, it's got to be the Rams. I feel like it is too. It's got to be the Rams. They won more games than I thought they were going to win all year. <laughs> Honestly. It's, especially without Cooper Cup. What are we talking about here? Puka Nakua, that's what we're talking about. It means no worries, evidently. Apparently, yeah. I, I mean, and the the curious thing will be what he looks like and what his role is when Cooper Cup comes back because he's not a guy that's just going to... How can you fade that guy into the background the way that that he's been going? Uh, okay, so let's get, our, let's get our picks in before the end of the show here. Uh, in the first one, you have the Eagles or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I got the Bucs. I think we're going to see a surprise in this Monday nighter. I got the Bucks in that defense. Todd Bowles comes up with a scheme to make Hurts one-dimensional. I'm going with the Bucks as well. Whoa. To, yeah, upset alert. You know we're going to be wrong when. I know, I know. Isn't that what always happens? Uh, so you and I are both going with the Bucks. That's interesting. Uh, Joe Burrow, the game-time decision against Matthew Stafford, who you got rematch of the Super Bowl two years ago. You got either a QB that has had one career pass or a QB that shouldn't be playing. It's the Rams. If Joe Burrow plays, I'm going with the Bengals. I just can't see them going 0-3. I, I have a really hard time. Even on one leg, they'll just find a way. Uh, Max protect everything. That's it. As for my bets tonight, uh, Mike Evans, minus 59 and a half receiving yards. I'm taking that over. Easy. And uh, Puka Nakua, over 72 and a half receiving yards. Wow. Let's do it. All right. That's going to do it for us. Uh, this has been the Fan Checkdown. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Derek behind the glass. Thank you to Donovan across the table. Tomorrow he will have three headsets on when we get this started. By the way, Taylor Swift has uh, uh, 272 million followers on Instagram and 94 million followers on Twitter. So there you go. By the way, the Dolphins just scored two more touchdowns. There they go. Uh, that's it for us. We'll talk to you tomorrow.